This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com. You are listening to Episode 8 of the Prospect Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd, and we are less than a week away from the NFL trade deadline. We've already seen a few trades go down. The Patriots acquiring Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons, 49ers trading for Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos, and I think those two trades were just the tip of the iceberg, that we're going to see a lot of trades over the next few days, especially as we get close to that Tuesday, October 29th deadline. Because there is such a big disparity between the really bad teams that are motivated to be sellers and the really good teams that want to be buyers. And beyond that, there are a, there is a clump of middle-of-the-road teams, especially in the AFC, that probably feel like if we make a move, we can get to the playoffs. So I think we're going to have a very active trade deadline this year in the NFL. And no one is happier about that than me because the NFL trade deadline used to be the most boring trade deadline of any of the four major sports. And now we're to the point where we're accustomed and we're expecting to see a lot of trades. However, we know, you know, that every week I start this podcast talking about quarterback prospects. And today I'm going to zero in on Washington quarterback prospect, Jacob Eason. He's six foot six, 230 pounds, has an absolute cannon of an arm Started as a freshman at Georgia, transferred to Washington. He's completing 67% of his passes. And in that freshman year at Georgia in 2016, in the mid-50s for his completion percentage, he has 16 touchdowns, only three interceptions. And all of his numbers with the Huskies this season are not inflated by a gimmicky offense. The Washington coaching staff knows it has a quarterback with the strongest arm in college football and consistently pushes the ball down the field. I thought he just by a narrow margin, outplayed Justin Herbert over the weekend. Washington ended up losing the game. They blew a uh, 14-point lead in that game, but it, that was not Eason's fault. I thought he made a handful, and he does it every week, of high-quality NFL-caliber throws that some NFL quarterbacks couldn't even make because he has that Matthew Stafford type of mentality, not just that he believes or thinks that he can make every throw on the field. He knows he can. He is that powerful of a passer. He's pretty raw inside the pocket. Um, His pocket presence is not great. 
And I think some of that is because he's not very experienced, doesn't move away from pressure very well, doesn't really get through his reads super quickly. But I think that could come with time. He does have Utah this weekend. That's going to be probably his most difficult test of the year. In his second most difficult test early in the season at home against Cal, a defense that has multiple NFL defensive backs on it, he did not play well. So I'm interested to see that. But after that game against Utah this weekend, Washington plays Oregon State, Colorado, and Washington State. So Jacob Eason is probably going to end the regular season on a high note in Washington, given the state of the program, and they'll probably win eight to nine, maybe 10 games, will be in a high, relatively high-profile bowl game. So I think Jacob Eason um, is probably going to end up grading, and I'm not etching this in stone just yet, obviously, because we have more games. But he's probably going to end up being a late first-round pick, maybe even a second-round value on my big board, but ultimately go in the top half of the first round. I sent him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in my most recent mock draft, which came out on CBS Sports on Monday. I think that would be a perfect fit with Bruce Arians. Even after the Jameis Winston experiment has seemingly failed for the Buccaneers, Bruce Arians is probably not going to be one and done in Tampa, and he needs a big, strong-arm quarterback to run his vertical-based passing offense. And I don't think Eason has as big of a propensity to turn over the football, throw interceptions as Jameis Winston, but does have that Winston type, and it's probably even stronger, uh, Jameis Winston type arm. So I think that prospect and team pairing would be perfect. Moving over to big board movement, with this segment I want to zero in on one offensive lineman, Josh Jones from Houston. He's kind of... He's started the season a little bit off the radar, but is starting to move onto the radar from you know with a lot of draft prospects such as myself, and it's probably already on the radar for a lot of NFL decision makers, a lot of scouts, general managers, directors of college scouting. Coming into the year, Jones had already started 35 games at Houston, and so he's probably going to finish, if he stays healthy, around 50 games of starting experience, and there is nothing that can replace that much experience as an offensive lineman that not only are you dealing with the power from of defensive linemen from your freshman year on but you have with that much experience four years you're in almost 50 games you're seeing different types of edge rushers different types of counter moves different types of blitzes the defensive coordinators throw at you there's nothing that can replace that so i love the experience he's six foot seven 310 pounds. He looks like Tyron Smith on the field. Honestly, I mean, he's not as athletically gifted as Smith, but not a lot of bad weight. And he could probably add 10 to 15 pounds to that six foot seven frame and carry it comfortably. He's very balanced, very under control. You don't see him whiffing a lot, a little bit susceptible to really good counter moves. He's not seeing those often playing at Houston, but he's pretty good mover in his kick slide in pass sets. Um, pretty effective getting to the second level for being such a tall left tackle on those combo blocks in the run game. So Josh Jones in a somewhat of a down offensive tackle class. You have Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Alex Leatherwood moved over from the right side of Alabama to the left side. Has played well. Calvin Throckmorton from Oregon has played everywhere in that Oregon offensive line. But this is not a uh, necessarily a strong offensive tackle class at this point. So Josh Jones, with that size, with the length, 
pretty good athleticism and all that starting experience playing a premier position left tackle. I think he, like Jacob Eason, is bound to be a big draft riser. The senior bowl will be big for him. I'll be shocked if he's not in Mobile. He he most likely will be. Jim Nagy does a great job identifying some of those smaller school guys that need the exposure of the senior bowl and, and just to face better competition. I think he'll be in Mobile, Josh Jones, and is very likely to be a big riser. Could even go in the first round. I actually mocked him to the Cleveland Browns at number nine overall in that mock draft on Monday. That would be probably the the top or the ceiling for him in terms of an ascension, but Josh Jones, keep, uh, but remember that name. Don't lose sight of that name because I think he's going to be a big riser during the pre-draft process. Moving over to wide receiver watch, um, quickly going to talk about Jerry Judy. He's in a fascinating situation in that he hasn't had a big game in a couple of weeks, and now Tua Tagovailoa is hurt, and he's probably not going to come back until the LSU game, which is probably going to be Alabama's most difficult test left on their schedule until we get to the college football playoff. And Jerry Judy's watched some of his teammates, a lot of his teammates, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell, have big games while he hasn't. He kind of is having a similar career to Juju Smith-Schuster when he was at USC. That is second to last year with the Trojans, super productive, doing it at a really young age, had a lot of hype, first-round hype. And then in his last year, even with Sam Darnold for part of that season, um, wasn't as productive, and he ultimately slipped to the second round. I don't think Judy will fall to the second round. I'm not insinuating that. There's just too much hype. Um, after winning the Bolitnikoff Award for him. And he's just a different type of mover than Juju Smith-Schuster, who's certainly been a great wide receiver his first couple seasons with the Steelers. But is Jerry Judy a lock to go in the top five, in the top three? I think that's where he was mostly pegged. I didn't see a lot of mock drafts um, in the offseason that had him much lower than five or six overall. I think he right now is trending toward being uh, middle of the first round selection. He was number nine overall, still the first receiver, although he's getting close to losing that distinction. He was number nine overall in my big board. My first big board update of the season that came out a few weeks ago, I'll have another one in November, but I just don't believe he is that slam dunk Kelvin Johnson going number two overall wide receiver at this point he's just not going to have the production in his last year he's not 6'4 he's about six foot six one. he's kind of skinny extremely explosive good hands great route runner outstanding after the catch but Jerry Judy is kind of slipping a little bit which no one really saw that coming in this Alabama offense Another wide receiver I want to mention today, Minnesota's Tyler Johnson. He has really come on strong the last couple of weeks, two 100-yard games, not against the best competition in the Big Ten. The second one of those two came against Rutgers over the weekend. But Minnesota is 7-0, and kind of quietly, and they play Maryland this weekend. Then they have a bye week before Penn State, and that's going to be Tyler Johnson and that entire Minnesota offense. Most difficult game left on the schedule because there's so many – fantastic athletes on that Nittany Lions defense, some good cornerbacks. That'll be a good test. After that, road game against Iowa and then home against Wisconsin. So Minnesota could be playing for a Big Ten championship. They could have 10, 11, 12 wins by the end of the season. And Tyler Johnson has been productive for multiple seasons. And he kind of started slowly. And his sophomore teammate Rashad Bateman looked like the star in September. 
And he's certainly on the radar for 2021 because he's been outstanding. He's actually Minnesota's leading receiver. But Tyler Johnson almost accounted for 40% of Minnesota's receiving yards last year. Anything above 30% is a pretty good indicator in a final college season that a wide receiver is going to be a good pro. If you're above 35%, that's really good. If you're getting close to 40, if you're above 40, that is somewhat rare. And right now this season, even though he's not the leading receiver, Tyler Johnson's at 36.2% of Minnesota's receiving yards. So he's back up to that production level of what we saw as a junior when a lot of people thought he was going to come out, including myself, and be a second or a third-round pick. He kind of has that feeling of a Devontae Adams or a Keenan Allen that he's not going to run particularly fast, maybe in the low four fives, but so productive in his college career go in the second or maybe even the third round, and ultimately in a few years we'll be saying, how did Tyler Johnson not go in the first round? He is has an awesome, innate ability right after he catches the football to kind of know where defenders are around him if he needs to cut against the grain, continue to run forward, good contact balance. He can make catches um, on jump balls. It's not necessarily his specialty, and, and there are some – concentration drops when he's open but he is very reliable in those jump ball situations and just outstanding after the catch could sneak into the back end of the first round and 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 I might have him graded there but I think he's ultimately going to land in the second round and become a very very good pro so keep an eye on Tyler Johnson certainly enter this season on the draft radar and after a slow start has really come on strong in the last couple weeks Last segment today, young NFL players. It's been a couple weeks since I discussed the young quarterbacks. I started with that when I launched the podcast, gone in a different direction with some other positions over the past couple weeks, but I need to talk about these second-year quarterbacks. There's been so many young quarterbacks who have played this season at the NFL level. A lot of injuries um, have led to some of those players like a Kyle Allen, like a uh, Devlin Hodges, but I want to zero in on the first-round quarterbacks from that famous 2018 draft class. And I'll start at the top, Baker Mayfield. Um, and I'm going to run through where I had these players ranked, these quarterbacks, and their NFL comparisons, because I really think that almost all of them in into, you know, deep into year two for a lot of these quarterbacks, they're becoming the quarterbacks who I expected them to be. Baker Mayfield, in his career right now, has 32 touchdowns, 25 interceptions, 7.6 yards per attempt. So he's moved it pretty efficient or pretty efficiently. Anything above seven is good. So 7.6 getting close to eight is very solid. 62% completion for his career. He's under 50, uh, under 60% this year, and he leads the NFL in interceptions. He was my number five quarterback. I had him just outside the first round, number 34 overall. And I compared him to Case Keenum. And I think he is a stronger version of Case Keenum, that a stronger armed version of Case Keenum, excuse me, and a little bit more aggressive than Case Keenum, throwing down the seam, down the numbers. But um, in that spread offense at Oklahoma, had a great offensive line, playmakers everywhere, wasn't really pressured very often, put up insane stats, similar to Case Keenum at Houston about 10 years before. So I think... Um, it's interesting the situation that he's in that he needs to overcome maybe some organizational dysfunction in Cleveland. Freddie Kitchens is a first-time head coach. 
Are there too many mouths to feed? Does Odell Beckham want the ball? Jarvis Landry wants the ball. David Njoku's hurt. The offensive line is not great. I think for as much as John Dorsey wanted to make splashes this offseason and add talent to the roster, and he did, trading away Kevin Zeitler was seems to be one of the worst decisions that he made and could be very, very costly. Really good offensive lineman um, that he moved in the offseason that's, you know, now that right side of the Cleveland line has been very bad and the left tackle spot is just not even NFL average at this point. So he needs to overcome a lot. It'll be interesting to see if he can move closer to, you know, what a lot of other people believe that Baker Mayfield can be. I think he's a stronger armed version of Case Keenum. Next quarterback, I'll be relatively quick on him. Josh Rose, and just get him out of the way. I compared him to Eli Manning. He was my number three quarterback uh, in the 2018 class. Two abysmal situations, and I think he's played similarly or almost identically to what Eli Manning would have done on the Arizona Cardinals last year and on the Miami Dolphins this year. Two quarterbacks I want to group together, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I think it seems very obvious, actually, to me that they are in the best situations of any of these young quarterbacks. They've both had the same offensive coordinators there. I mean, Greg Roman wasn't calling the shots last year, but he was on the staff in Baltimore. They've tailored that offense around Lamar Jackson. And similarly to what we saw from him, and by the way, Lamar Jackson was my number two uh, quarterback in the 2018 class. I compared him to Steve McNair. He has progressed very similarly to what we saw at Louisville, that he was a running quarterback initially, and then year after year, those three seasons with the Cardinals under Bobby Petrino in that traditional pro-style offense that had a lot of full-field reads, Jackson got better as a passer, got more comfortable in the pocket. We're seeing that in year two, and then you have the best running quarterback since Michael Vick, probably a more natural runner than Michael Vick, a little bit more twitchy elusive in space than Vic was. So Lamar Jackson is is kind of trending in the same direction that he was in college. And back to my comparison, Steve McNair later in his career came became a very good game manager for the Baltimore Ravens. But when he came out of Alcorn State after an epic career at the small school level, he was a dynamic dual threat of a running of a quarterback, could really run the football, was a great passer, could push the ball down the field. I'm seeing shades of Steve McNair, certainly different body types, but similar styles of play in year two from Lamar Jackson to my comparison for him before the draft, Steve McNair. Moving to Josh Allen, um, he is also in a really good situation to have Brian Dable, the same offensive coordinator for two years. The Bills bring in Ken Dorsey as a quarterback's coach who spent time with Cam Newton. I thought that was a very shrewd move by that front office. In his career, Josh Allen has a 56% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, 19 picks, only 6.7 yards per attempt, but he's over 60% completion this year. He's right at that 7 yards per attempt threshold that you want your quarterback to get to. Um, So he's shown strides. And what's very interesting to me is uh, that he has not really been good down the field. That I think if you told anyone, okay, Seven games into the se- six, seven games into the season, Josh Allen, if he did, you know, make some strides, it would be because he's hitting big plays and he's not doing. I th- saw a really interesting uh, tweet today from Pro Football Focus that said, by their grades, Josh Allen has the lowest grade of all quarterbacks in the NFL on throws twenty or more yards down the field. 
that's surprising. I mean, that's what he did down the stretch last year, the second half of the season for Buffalo. Hit big plays to Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie. Big plays down the field were kind of his forte, even at Wyoming. However, Josh Allen has the highest PFF grade among any quarterback, not second-year pros, not quarterbacks under 25, highest PFF grade among all quarterbacks in the NFL on throws beyond behind the line of scrimmage up to 19 yards down the field. So the Bills have emphasized, Josh, we need you to be better in the short to intermediate ranges. We need to move the football. We need to get first downs, keep our defense fresh so it can play at that elite level, which it has. And he's been outstanding in that area. Every game this season, two to five wild throws from five to 15, maybe even 19 yards down the field in every single game. And I thought against the Dolphins, Bill started slowly. They moved the ball, but kicked some field goals in the first half. The second half, he was very sharp. 10 of 11 um, was just kind of distributing the football to all portions of the field, different receivers. John Brown had another big game. It was his best game to me, along with week two against the Giants in New Jersey. I thought that was the best game for Josh Allen this season in terms of just staying inside the pocket, getting through his reads, throwing accurately. And a quick note on his accuracy, I didn't think at Wyoming his accuracy was his biggest flaw. It was his pocket presence was all over the place. It was very antsy. If he didn't like what he saw, if he felt any type of rush, even if he didn't feel a rush sometimes, he was leaving the pocket to try to improvise when he didn't need to. And that's why he was my number six quarterback in the 2018 class. Had him in the second round in terms of my value. My comparison for him was Jake Locker to Jay Cutler. And I think we saw Jake Locker at the first portion of his rookie year started to move toward Jay Cutler toward the end and now we're seeing more Jay Cutler type ability um, and play from Josh Allen those wow throws still some of those head scratching interceptions trying to overextend plays but the Bills are really reining in some of that you know wildness from Josh Allen and I think that's a big reason along with their defense of course and you know a pretty effective running game why the Bills are 5-1 right now. Last quarterback I want to talk about today, Sam Darnold. He was my number four quarterback. Did have him in the first round. He was my number four quarterback in the 2018 class. Um, And he's playing, too, a lot like how I expected him to play. He's played 16 games now in the NFL, 20 touchdowns, 20 picks. In his final year at USC, he had 25 turnovers that led the the NCAA. So he came in in his redshirt freshman season in 2016 – and really elevated that offense. And USC went on a little bit of a run, played awesome in that Rose Bowl game against Penn State. They they come back and win that game. And after that, it was, oh my God, he's Andrew Luck 2.0. He's the best quarterback prospect since this guy, that guy. And then in his next year, it kind of like didn't matter what he did because he was so good, so young. And he's still a young quarterback. He's got a lot of football in front of him. But to just gloss over the turnovers and the stinkers of games, and even the games when he would have eight or nine ridiculous throws, he would also have two or three, what was he thinking, or where was he throwing the football, or why did he try to fit that ball in, type of throws each game. Saw that on Monday night, the Patriots defense is really good. I'm not going to hammer Sam Darnold for that performance, although it was not good. I mean, we've just heard so much about it in the last couple days. But my comparison for him was... Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers. And I think the last two weeks, perfectly, we have seen Phillip Rivers against the Cowboys in his first game back from Mono. 
And then this past week, we saw Jameis Winston, just not good pocket presence, throwing the ball aimlessly down the field, not taking care of the football. There's the fumble, four interceptions. So I think Sam Darnold has really played to his comparison that I had for him before the draft. All right, that'll do it today. I'm Chris Trapasso. This was episode eight of the Prospect Podcast. Thank you for listening. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCOA.